Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Jay here for Stretford Paddock, and this is the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ronaldo Brown. How are we doing, Ronnie? I'm doing great. <laughs> You're great. Like, top three? Top three. Hey, We've got Champions even, League football next four, season. It's one of them now where I feel like I can actually do a couple of videos where I'm on a bit of a high and not wallowing self-pity. Mate, I'm, I'm glad because you, you're in the mood. You put, you put us all in the shade when you get angry, mate. You take hey, it to another level. I couldn't cope with you. If you've not seen me on a watch-alongs, I cannot do watch-alongs while we're losing because I sit down and soak like a little baby. Me and Ronaldo did a watch-along. I literally did a watch-along. I got home, I walked through my door, my missus said to me, that Ronaldo was angry, wasn't it? Oh. <laughs> I was like, got no idea. I'm not, I'm not quite, I'm bringing in the home kind of vibe when I'm watching United. I'm like, I'm just but sat there with it placed like a slap task, but obviously positives, top four settings, Listen, Champions League inbound. It's not where we want to be, yeah. obviously what higher yeah. than top three. We're not, you know, we're not like that, but it's a start. Champions League football, and obviously, as we're gonna to get to, that can affect transfers mm-hmm. in terms of revenue, in terms of players that will come and all that sort of stuff. Coming up, we've got an interview with James Cooper. We spoke to James Cooper recently. We're gonna be chatting to him, we're gonna show him that, show him what he's saying about Jaden Sancho, about Jack Grealish, about other United targets and how many players he thinks will be coming in in the summer. But before we get to that, you've been having a look at the, the tier one transfer journalists out there, the ones that you can rely on. Um, now, there was a story doing the rounds earlier this week that United had bid 98 million euros for Jaden Sancho. Now, that came out of Germany, out of build, which is quite reputable. Mm. But James Ducker, who's a reliable journalist, he sort of poured a bit of water on that, didn't he? And said, and Sam yeah, Stone did as well, and said he don't think it's gonna. that's not the case yet anyway. Yeah, it's like pretty much James Ducker and um, Sam Stone, said, I, think, Simon yeah, Stone, I think he said it as well. Pretty much all the tier one guys have pretty much poured water on it and just disregarded it and said there's been no official bid made. It's just, what do you think? It's, do you think it's just a bit of transfer tactics, probably just yeah, I mean, of bargaining. Maybe, because, they, it's like, because it's build, you wonder if, I don't know where that's come from, if someone at Dortmund said something. Usually, usually that kind of thing would usually occur, like occur in a transfer window when it's, kind of a bidding war kind of thing where it's mm. between one or two teams 
it's not really what um, like that with Jaden. It's pretty much been a one-way street. It's like, will United get him or will he won't he? Not will someone else. I so don't, kinda, I it's don't know. I mean, I always wonder sometimes with some of these sites or some of these, these newspapers or whatever, yeah. do they just go for something they're not 100% sure of because they know it'll get so many clicks? Of course <laughs> they do. <laughs> course it'll do. earn them so much revenue that even do, by the time they go, oh, actually, hold on. That may not be true. They've still, do you know what I mean? Well, as United fans, as United fans, we're obviously very, very smart people, very <laughs> <laughs> clever people. So as um, I think we're quite cynical, or we we are a little bit of cynics when it comes to looking at transfer news. We do kind of look at them as if, is that really truthful? We we kind of have the pessimistic approach where we don't like get too excited unless it's concrete. Yeah. But um, on the other hand, where the smoke, there's quite Whoa. often fire. Sometimes. So yeah, you, you, we, we know the interest is real, though. So maybe interest is real and negotiations may have started, but the likes of James Ducker, the likes of well, uh, Simon well, Stone... And James Cooper said it, didn't we spoke to him, we said, you know, these yeah. reports, and he said, I'd, I'd just wait and see with that one, I'd, I'd say that with a pinch of salt. So the, the, the people yeah. that we, we would go to... We would agree with, we would like, agree kind of, ...who've been pretty much on the money uh, consistently, mm. they're saying no bid yet. Um, talking to Till and journalist for Brit's show Romano... He's been talking, he was saying about um, Thomas Party to Arsenal. Arsenal coming in with a bid of around 25 million, I think. Very cheap. Oh, that. Euros, I think that's as well. Mm. Atletico won 50 million euros for Thomas Party. Yeah. So there's a bit of a disparity there. He said that, you know, that's where that's up to. What do you make of that? Because there's part of me that looks at that and thinks, 50 million euros? Would you not have him at Old Trafford? I'm not going to lie. I'm a big, <laughs> a big, big Thomas Party yeah. fan. Yeah. His, his quality is. Um, He's in a La Liga as well. And he's a big, big unit. He's, he's he's strong. He's disciplined. He's dynamic, and he's pretty much everything you'd want. He's pretty much he, he plays the area of the pitch that we kind of want like to. Is youth, it like an injection of youth, so, yeah. so to speak? We've got Matic playing CDM right now, and as you can see, is he does play well on occasion, but he might not have in his legs anymore to be playing well week in week out. And um, if you've got someone like Thomas Party on the market for fifty euros or less. I mean, that's about 50 million euros for a player like that. I mean, I've not seen loads of him. I've seen a little bits of him. I saw him, obviously, at Anfield. He had a great game, I thought. Yeah, I think he suited, yeah. well suited to... Um, so, if he, I mean, if he can play against Liverpool, who ran away with this league and play well, then there's no reason to think he can't come in the Premier League and do it on a, a rainy night in Stoke, as he said. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if Arsenal got him, I'd be a little bit, like, disappointed. Now, if, if Arsenal do, you know do I mean? like, pull like, off the Thomas party, I will be looking at that thinking, that's a good signing. Yeah. And um, I don't want to be looking at Arsenal players and thinking that's a good signing. He's wasting his time as well. He's wasting his time. Like, come on, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> we'll wait and see anyway. Um, Come to the theatre of dreams when it actually opens. Yes, we're like, looking at fans there as well. Theatre of sleep. Right theatre of sleep right now. Well, yeah, we're, we're all waiting. We, we know that fans will be letting mm. in the next few months. Can't wait for that because we have missed it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, you know, some of the, the stories we've been speaking about, the, the especially the Jaden Sancho one, James Cooper was talking to us about that. Me and Ronaldo sat down with him, we had a chat via Skype, here's what he had to say about Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish and other United targets that could be coming this summer. Jay here for the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast, joining me as always is Ronaldo and today we're chatting to Sky Sports' James Cooper. James, how are we doing? Alright, not too bad, I can't believe it's uh, three months, I think, almost four since we last talked, uh, something like this. Anyway, things have, I'd love to say things have changed, things have changed for Manchester <laughs> United, they haven't changed the rest of us, have they? Yeah. No, you've still got your beard. I grew a beard during lockdown, but I've got rid of it now. Um, no, that's all. Beard is no matter what. <laughs> Fair enough. Questionable um, beard. <laughs> um, as you mentioned, things have changed. United have finished third um, in the Premier League. 
How do you sum up the season for Oli? Do you think he, overall now he can look back in, I know we've still got the Europa to go, but do you think he can look at it as a success? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's a really hard thing. I think a lot of Manchester United fans would get annoyed when anyone says, look, let's celebrate coming third in the Premier League. But I think you've got to put that perhaps into some perspective. You know, back in January, you had a toxic atmosphere at Old Trafford. You had people going to Ed Woodward's house and throwing fireworks against the gates there. And then suddenly, you know, you're not looking forward to Thursday night football anymore with Thursday, Sunday games. You're looking to Tuesday, Wednesday and playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Suddenly life looks very different. And that, you know, back when we, even when we last talked at the start of April, I think, you know, top four was not a dream. It was something that could have happened. But I think top three is a real statement. I think it allows you know, Manchester United to come out of this season with a bit of credibility. And as you say, you know, go to Germany, perhaps potentially win the Europa League and get a bit of silverware just to add uh, some icing on the cake. But I think, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would say this himself that this is a journey. I think probably United fans are fed up with this journey. But in terms of, you know, extending that metaphor, you're not even on the motorway yet. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. I think you can't be, we can't be too giddy at the top, at making top four. But it is, a, it is, as you said, it is moving forward and Champions League football is a massive, massive lift. Um, last time we spoke, I think you sort of said the ingredients were there for, for Sancho to join United. Now, there's, there's reports coming out today from Germany that United have, have made an opening bid of around 98 million euros. Um, how close do you feel that the deal is to happening? Do you think this is something that you expect to happen? Yeah, I think it's a really tricky one. And, you know, I'd urge caution on those kind of initial reports simply because I, I really don't see anyone writing a cheque for 100 million euros or 100 million pounds or whatever you like, because I just don't think um, there is the kind of wherewithal in terms of financials, even ethics and morals to kind of do that for Manchester United. I, might, I may be completely wrong, but I think to do this deal, I think United's got to be fairly creative with it. I think, that, you know, the money is there. It's just what you do with it. And I think the messages you send where, you know, although you know Manchester United fans will want success on the pitch, they'll want the best players playing for them. But, you know, you can't ignore the fact that during lockdown, you know, I can't think of many clubs that have done a better job than Manchester United in doing the right thing, whether that's, you know, feeding NHS and care workers, whether it's transforming the front of Old Trafford, um, all those sort of things, or whether it's been the work of the foundation. So I think there is a way up within that. And I think that's why, you know, Manchester United definitely want Jadon Sancho. But to do that deal won't be easy. It's going to be complex. It's going to be difficult to construct. Um, you know, it, it, what helps in this matter is that they are now playing Champions League football. There's no doubt about that. I think he'd like to come. I think the United players would like him to be their teammate next season. But I also think Manchester United have a shortlist for that position. You know, and I, I know for a fact that they're looking at Kingsley Coman as maybe a short-term answer on loan from Bayern Munich. Perhaps going back to Borussia Dortmund next summer when the, the price will have dropped a little bit and bringing Sancho in then. I think there are schemes and things going on to make sure that whatever happens, that position is filled, whether it's by Sancho or not. Another topic, yeah, another topic that's kind of come up when you last spoke to Jay or if you didn't speak to me was basically surrounding Pogba's future and whether you thought it was like a long-term mainstay at the club. And you did mention that you did see him staying until the end of the season, which he obviously has. How likely do you think it will be that United will actually finalise a long-term deal with Pogba? I think they're looking at it. I think, you know, he's done enough perhaps to merit that. And I think, you know, uh, people have the different opinions about Pogba the person and Pogba the player. But I think most Manchester United fans would concede that when Pogba plays well, Manchester United plays well. And, you know, you've got to see some sort of merits in, in the relationship between him and Bruno Fernandes. I think that can only get better. I think what we're seeing at the moment is a Paul Pogba who isn't 100% fit by any stretch of the imagination needs a pre-season and I think they'll come up with a new deal for him. I think, you know, 
most people thought it was cut and dried that he wouldn't be a Manchester United player. I, I, I never saw that simply because of the economics. I think, you know, the people in Europe, especially now with COVID, aren't going to pay the sort of wages that Paul Pogba was looking for, aren't going to pay the fee that Manchester United are looking for. And I think, you know, from a Manchester United perspective and perspective of the fans, I think it looks bright for United. I think the only problem I, I foresee in terms of the transfer window is that, you know, when Manchester United play well, it's because Fernandes and Pogba generally play well. Now, you're not going to get, I don't think, the 45, 50 games out of Paul Pogba that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was talking yesterday at Leicester about. That's not going to happen. It hasn't happened throughout his time at Manchester United. You might get that from Bruno Fernandes. And that's why I think, you know, they need to stretch this money and maybe find an attacking midfielder who can fill in for either Pogba or for uh, Bruno Fernandes or, or fulfil one of those front three positions as well. Someone who's versatile enough to do that so that when either Fernandes or Pogba isn't there, that the, the performance rate, the rhythm, the tempo, call it what you like, doesn't drop to some of the sort of levels that we've seen maybe in the last two or three games when both of them have been absolutely tired. Yeah, you mentioned that we probably do need to kind of bolt to the midfield areas, especially attacking midfielder you just mentioned. Well, an attacking midfielder from Villa that we've, that's been obviously attracted a lot of interest has been Jack Grealish. How true or likely do you see that deal coming through? Do you think it's actual real interest or it's just still open-air speculation? I think there's real interest there. I think the problem is that as Manchester United were celebrating getting top three, they're also looking down the Premier League and thinking, oh, damn it, you know, uh, Jack Grealish is now not a championship player that we can maybe get a little bit cheaper uh, in this summer. He's going to be a Premier League player and Aston Villa may feel they don't need to sell, bearing in mind their owners uh, have got big means. But I think, you know, he's the sort of type of player that Manchester United need because you could see him filling left, right. You could play him up the centre. You could play him uh, in, in the Bruno Fernandes position. You get goals out of him, you get assists out of him. You can see why that would work. And also, you know, he's aged, he's, he's still young as well. So I think Manchester United will be looking for that because, as I say, I think the problem is, you know, the performance levels drop if Bruno or, or Paul Pogba aren't on it. And then you say, well, if they're not on it or they're not playing or they're injured, who do you bring in that kind of shores it up? You, you know, Andreas Pereira was the best one in the world, can't do that. Jesse Lingard might have done once upon a time, but doesn't look as though he can do that. So I think it does kind of beg the question, well, what happens now? And I think they probably have to bring somebody in. And I think the other area that, that definitely needs strengthening uh, this summer is at centre-back, because I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants proper, proper pressure on the likes of Lindelof and Harry Maguire, because he's not going to get that again from Chris Smalling, who will more than likely stay at Roma. You know, Phil Jones is being overlooked. Uh, Twanzebi and Bailly are both injury-prone and can't be kind of called reliable at this stage. And, of course, Marcus Rojo, I've got probably more chance of playing Manchester United next season than he has. So, you know, I think bodies and numbers mean that he'll probably have to get a centre-back in just to put pressure on those two players. And I, I think they need pressure as well. I don't think it ha it's a healthy situation that Victor Lindelof thinks he can walk into the Manchester United team. I think he needs to know he has to fight for that place alongside Harry Maguire. Yeah, that sort of leads me on to my next question. I was going to mention about defence because, I mean, it depends on, on paper. You can look at it and you can go, OK, United have the third best defence, I think, in the league or one of the most... Uh, the highest number of clean sheets in Europe, but there are obviously issues there. You know, you mentioned there adding a little bit of competition, shall we say, for, for centre back places. Do you think they've got targets there of the players that I mean, we've heard the likes of Koulibaly's been doing the rounds for a lot of summers now, likely since the second summer at least. Nathan Aki was popping up. Do you think there's there's real interest in any of those players, or do you think there's someone else that perhaps hasn't been reported as much? I, I think they need to find someone who, who who's young enough, maybe do five or six years, but also young enough not to be as expensive as some of the names you've mentioned there. I think Akeem could fulfil the brief. And we know that Oli had a chat with him, although he denied it when I asked him about it in the press conference a couple of weeks ago. Um, that sort of player, you know, a third 
centre-back, if you like, that's going to rotate with the likes of Maguire and Lindelof. Might still be deputy towards them, but won't see the quality drop at all. But, you know, you know, I was delighted yesterday, of course, that Champions League football's back and that Manchester United are moving in the right direction. From a journalist's point of view, it makes all of our lives a lot easier when things are going well. Sometimes it's a bit more dull because the questions are a little bit less interesting. But I think, you know, you'd be a fool not to say that there were moments in those last few games, whether it was West Ham or Southampton or even Leicester City, where you thought, blimey, yeah, it's, it's a good defence, but why is it looking so brittle? Why do they look as though when they are attacked, when people go at them and press them and they try and play this kind of playing out, which you know, at, at times I don't understand, um, why do they carry on doing that? And should it really look as brittle as it sometimes does? So I think there is a need to strengthen those things. And I'd, I'd dearly love that to be Axel Clemsady. You've got to say that you know, the injury record so far doesn't give you any confidence that he'll be the guy that steps up. But there are other players you know, coming through, you know, Galbraith, uh, Mengi, um, players like that are going to come through. But I think it's an awful lot to ask them to play kind of Champions League football and Premier League football next season when we've seen other players kind of blooded more slowly. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, my instincts have always said on this, say he'll stick with, with David De Gea. You know, it was funny a couple of weeks ago when you know did an interview with him when he talked about a group of sticks and keeping the group together because it's stronger that way and not leaving a stick out on its own. And I said, well, you know, are you referring to De Gea here and saying that you're not going to leave him out on his own? And he kind of fudged his answer a little bit, but then demonstrated in his... Uh, team selection the last couple of games that he wasn't going to go anywhere else but to here and I think you know with the sort of sums that Manchester United are paying him per week I think they'll be hoping that you know he gets this season out of his system he gets a good pre-season he just gets his head back together because I, I, there's something about David De Gea in goal for Manchester United at the moment where I, I almost think blimey take him out of the firing line because it doesn't look as though he's quite with it and, and quite confident in his own abilities I think he almost needs just to sit down quietly and think what this is all about because I think Manchester United are looking at a situation where Dean Henderson will remain on loan, probably, uh, at Sheffield United, and they'll go with David De Gea as their number one next season. But I'd say, you know, I'd made that call really confidently four or five weeks ago. I'm less confident out of it now because I think Oli probably needs to be demonstrated to that, that this is a guy that can step back up. And that's the problem, I guess, when you're looking at the age of the guy and the fact he's been at Manchester United for a decade. You know, does he bounce back from an end of a season which is has been as bad as people can remember. You know, the couple of those mistakes are really, really poor mistakes that had Manchester United losing games that maybe they wouldn't have done, especially the Chelsea semi-final. I think there was a real feeling uh, that they were going to go in that and do a job. And you've got to say it was a job that kept getting made more difficult. And yeah, Chelsea were the better team on the afternoon, but they weren't that much better. And I think those two mistakes, all three goals may be preventable. You know, that's what stood between Manchester United and maybe getting to a situation where they could have gotten to a final. But I think... You know, it doesn't matter in the end, does it? You know, they're third in the Premier League. They're still looking at the Europa League campaign. But I think it'll be interesting to see what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does for that Europa League campaign, whether he puts uh, Sergio Romero in to say, look, you know, you're my cup goalkeeper. We want you to stay at the football club. Or whether he puts David De Gea in to kind of play through this rut, this difficulty. Uh, because even, you know, yesterday at Leicester, you couldn't sort of sit there and think, wow, he looks really confident. He looks really commanding. Because it, it just isn't the same David De Gea at the moment. Oh, yeah, makes sense. How many summer signings do you think United fans can realistically expect in this summer transfer window? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because I think they've got some clearing out to do as well. You know, But I think the problem is is stretching the money. And that seems like a funny thing to say for Manchester United because they have got these huge resources. They are a really, really wealthy super club, if you like, in terms of the money they bring in. But you know, on the other side of that, you know, this COVID-19 thing has kind of wrecked their finances in, in many ways. You've got a situation, of course, where broadcasting revenue is down. You've got empty Old Trafford. I mean, a full Old Trafford is between sort of four and five million pounds a pot. You know, that's missing. Not only that is the guarantee 
when those fans will be back and allowed inside the stadium. So I think the challenge this this uh, summer, and uh, funnily enough, I, I did some stuff for the Sky in Germany this morning, where I said creativity, I think, will be the watchword for Manchester United in this transfer window, being creative enough uh, to get the deals done and make the cash stretch uh, like it needs to stretch. And in terms of kind of answering a question, which I've done in a really mealy-mouthed way, I, I wouldn't think more than three players. You know, I, I talked to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer last week about it, and he talked about minor surgery. And I don't think this team needs much more than minor surgery, but it does, I do think if they are bringing three signings in, they have to be good enough to kind of raise or, or, or keep the level the same. Because I think the problem's been in, the, in these last few games, and Manchester United fans, I hope, will agree in this. You know, that starting eleven is one that pro probably most people would agree in. The problem is, and I think it was mentioned in Sky commentary yesterday, when you kind of delve down a little bit into the reserves, it's not perhaps as strong as it should be, bearing in mind that they're preparing a Champions League campaign. You know, you add Sanchez, uh, Sancho, sorry, you, you add a centre-back to that uh, and you add a sort of Jack Grealish-type midfielder, it starts to look a little bit better. And, you know, one of the other jobs they'll have to do is try and clear some of these players out. As I say, I think Smalling will stay at Roma. I think they'll try and do some sort of deal to keep Sanchez away from Manchester United, albeit, of course, Oli said he'd come back and prove us wrong. I don't think he will prove us wrong. And I think that there's other deadwood to clear out there as well. But you can't leave yourself in a situation just because those players aren't playing you're going to have a tiny squad when you've got so many competitions and games next season. Yeah, but, but like I said, you know, j just now, I, I think the difficult thing is, is kind of pruning it without leaving yourself kind of too short. You know, uh, there's lots of arguments for lots of players not to be there. You know, I think the obvious ones, of course, are, are Chris Smalling, Marcus Rojo at the back. I think there are major question marks against uh, Diogo Dalot, and you probably would say that he might be someone they can sell because it, it doesn't seem to me if you're playing... Timothy Fosu-Mensah at fullback, that, that Dalot has got a future at Manchester United. You go into midfield uh, and you see the likes of Pereira there. And I've, I've, I've talked to Jay about Jesse Lingard, a player and a person I like an awful lot and I think has been really badly treated by Manchester United fans. And I'd like to see him play somewhere else and be smiling somewhere else. I'd also like to see him maybe stay at Manchester United and prove a lot of people wrong, but I'm not sure the territory, the environment is right for him to do that. And then, you know, you look across the front line and that looks pretty good. You know, yeah, Erling Haaland didn't come in January, but you've got Mason Greenwood, who is growing almost game by game. You've got Igalo there until January. So there's no kind of great desperation to go out and get a striker. And of course, you've got Martial and Rashford, who suddenly look as though they like each other and like playing football. I know it's a really interesting question. And I know how hard it is to see Liverpool winning a title and making it number 19. Uh, and almost all those people in the red of Manchester United just praying that Manchester City get their hands on the next Premier League title and that Liverpool don't make it 20. So I can under, understand all that. I, I think the problem is that I think Manchester United have, have had a season that I didn't expect them to have in the sense that I didn't think they'd get third in the Premier League. I thought fourth, if you got everything going really, really well, was, was, was maybe something that could be achieved. But I think they're ahead of where they were. So, you know, in many ways, that they're overachieving. I think next season it's difficult, uh, bearing in mind, the Champions League because you're playing against better teams. You're not just going to walk through them like you do in the Europa League. So you've got to have the squad to do that. And I think that's why there has to be additions. But, you know, similarly, there's not a great deal of huge amounts of money that you can spend and lavish on, on some of the biggest names in Europe. So I, I think it's difficult. I, I think, you know, Manchester United fans should look maybe to a sort of incremental steps. You know, I, you know, I, I, would, I, I would love to think that the football clubs could be challenging for the top two. And by that, I'm probably mean second in the Premier League next season, or at least sort of sustain this being a top three club in the Premier League. But I think what you're looking for is a trajectory under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that maybe gets you properly challenging for a title, you know, this time, two years' time. I, I think that's probably realistic. 
But on the way to that, you know, this is a club that can go and do other things. It can win FA Cups, it can win League Cups, the sort of things that Manchester City have kind of done brilliantly under Pep Guardiola and just taking those steps. Because the other thing that, you know, it's easy to forget is how young this squad is. I've mentioned some of the more experienced players who might not be playing for Manchester United next season, but you've got so much young talent there. You know, there's talk about missing out on Bellingham. There's talk about Angel Gomez, of course, leaving Manchester United. But, you know, I know the guys at the academy, I know that place has almost been revolutionised and that the, some of the quality that's coming through there has got people really, really excited. So there's, there's a lot to be positive about. And I think at the moment, I think Manchester United fans probably would enjoy the ride a little bit more than they have over the last six or seven years, but without any kind of great pressure that next year will be a title-winning season because I think it's going to be at least two years before United can say, look, we're up there, we're, we're doing the sort of things that Manchester City and Liverpool now expect to do. Yeah, sorry to say, but I think I agree with you there. It's going to be a little <laughs> while, yeah. We have to be old, patient. We don't want to be patient as United fans. Horses you know that, James. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you also have to think about the, the things that, that I didn't expect to see. I mean, I didn't expect that Bruno Fernandes would be a player that excites me more than perhaps any player in the Premier League bar the last two or three games when his, his legs started to go. And I think he was mentally exhausted. But the other thing that I think United fans are really, really quick to forget is that, you know, since January, since that defeat to Burnley, Manchester United have been really good to watch playing football by the last three games. They've played some fantastic football, scored some amazing goals. You know, uh, stuff that we we haven't seen in the last six or seven years when, you know, yeah, a couple of trophies have been won playing stultifying, miserable football. And I think, you know, United fans should be happy. And I know they don't like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer using things like DNA and, and the foundations of the football club, but they are built on the attacking football. Uh, and we have seen that at Manchester United. And I think, you know, be, be, you know, be grateful for small mercies. I, I know you've been used to big, big things in the past, but it is moving in the right direction. And, you know, even three months ago when we last spoke, you couldn't have said that that was maybe going to be the case. No, yeah, you're right. Definitely. Definitely looking a little bit brighter. Um, you spoke about how basically we've already qualified for the Champions League and we're going into Europa. How seriously do you think United will actually take the competition? Do you think youngsters will get a bit of an opportunity? Or do you think this is a, a basically a trophy that we're going to go in to win? Yeah, I think I think it's a nice situation to be in. You know, had, had yesterday all gone wrong and, and there were moments in that Leicester game where I thought, oh, blimey, it is going to go wrong. And thankfully it didn't. Then suddenly it puts a lot of pressure on to win the Europa League um, and, and, and do what Jose did and get into the Champions League by that route. Now, they'd have to do that. The pressure is off. You know, the, the players are going to be given a few days rest, come back into Carrington. They've got a gimme in terms of the game against Lask um, being fined a lot. So we can afford to sprinkle that with a little bit of youth and, and, and make rotations. And then you've got a quarterfinal. You know, you've got, you know, five games uh, to go um, in, in the space of two or three weeks. You've got a kind of tournament football type thing. And I think they'll probably embrace that. And I think, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would dearly love to have a trophy next to his name. I think, you know, he's satisfied third place finish was beyond most people's dreams. And probably even if he was to be really, really honest, beyond his dreams as well. But I think you add a trophy to that team and suddenly it looks a lot more special and, and also it's a statement of intent. So I think they'll take it pretty seriously. I, I think the key question is, is how much is left in the tank some of those other players. I think, you know, as I say, I don't think Pogba's fully fit. I think Bruno Fernandes ran himself into the ground mentally and physically. And I think they're the two kind of linchpins who get things going. But, but from a kind of positive uh, point of view, I think Marcus Rashford has had you know a torrid time over the last few games. I think, he, you know, He'll, his form will come back. I think Martial looks good. I think Greenwood looks bright. It's just supplying the ammunition. If you've not got Pogba and Bruno Fernandes doing that, I think things to kind of look a little more predictable. Um, so 
yeah, it's how much is left in the tank, but I think certainly the spirit will be there to try and go and do something special in the Europa League and bring back a trophy. I, I think it's a situation that's improving. I think I, I felt a little bit sorry for, for, for Harry Maguire. I think having it sort of forces upon him. I don't think he's a natural leader, but I think he's becoming a leader. Um, I, I think in the same way, I think Marcus Rasher is doing that. Uh, it was interesting. Yesterday, I was watching uh, Anthony Martial and he's starting to talk to players and tell them what he wants them to do, which I think is something I haven't seen from him. But I think, you know, you're right. I think Bruno Fernandes has really, really changed the environment at Manchester United. And that just something on the pitch, I mean, off it as well. I think he demands the best from his teammates, the best from the staff around the football club. And I think people have been surprised about, you know, kind of the influence that he's had behind the scenes as well as on the pitch. And I've got to say, you know, because, you know, we're fortunate enough to be around these people, not as much as we are at the moment, of course. But I, I don't think it's been a happier club for an awful long time in terms of everyone getting on, in terms of there being kind of a spirit amongst the players. I think a lot of the bad apples have been taken out. I think there's still more work to do on that. But I, th I think, you know, this is a club that is going forward in the right direction. I may have mentioned it before, but I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, one of his, if you like, one of his uh, strengths, I, I think is being kind of father figure to some of these players in the same way that Sir Alex Ferguson was. I think there's an understanding there of how they operate, about what sort of things are important to them, because he's, you know, he's got children the same age as some of his players, as likes of Mason Greenwood or Scott McTominay. Uh, you know, some of those play players are at the same age as his children. I think you, know, you can't take that for granted. I think he has a different way of going about it. And I think, you know, the one thing that surprised me as well is that, you know, this coaching team has come up with answers and solutions uh, to some of the questions they weren't coming up with solutions to earlier in the season. So I think, you know, it's growing in the right direction. You know, third place is an astonishing achievement when you think how bad things were early on in the season, when questions were being asked about where this was going and whether he was the right man to lead Manchester United. I think... Ollie himself would probably say, I want to put a trophy next to my name to prove that I am the right man to lead Manchester United. And I think you know, the Europa League does that. But it's an awful lot to ask next season to go in the Champions League and improve on the Premier League next season, bearing in mind they're hardly getting any rest and the games are going to come thick and fast. So it will be a challenge. And as I say, with, with me sort of saying three perhaps new faces in the summer, there's not a lot of leeway there in terms of injuries and, and, and form. Um, to say it's going to be better next year. So a lot of challenges there. Um, but, yeah, a lot to be happy about too, a lot to be positive about, you know. And I think if you turn the clock back to this time last year, you know, it, we're talking chalk and cheese here, aren't we? I think so. I, I think it's going in the right direction. I think, as I say, massive, massive contrast to what it was last year. And, I, you know, nice chatting to you, Jane. Nice speaking to you, Ronaldo, for the first time. Good name. Cheers. So that was our chat with James Cooper from Sky Sports. He said a lot of things there, Ronaldo. One thing that interests me was he spoke, spoke about Jaden Sancho coming to Old Trafford. He said it's a complex deal as well. You know, it's not one of those deals that could be simple. And I know we haven't got much time before the season restarts, but this could get dragged out a little bit. Yeah, it can, but um, it does. I think didn't Peach kind of mention that, that like, when he spoke to him that a lot of these transfers might end up going down to the last, like, bearing days or so because. Um, of the way that the finances are set up and the fact that we might have, as Cooper said, we've got to be creative in our deals because we're not sure how the finances are like for several different teams. So um, we are looking at, it's been a long, long road anyway when it comes to the Jaden Sancho, etc. Yeah. But it could be a little bit longer. Just got to be patient, man. This is what we're talking about. Well, just make it more worth it in the yeah. end when it happens. You know what I'm we, we had it last summer, didn't we, yeah. where it dragged out with Maguire and it dragged out with Rambasaka um, and we got those deals over the line. He also spoke about Jack Grealish and the fact that because Villa obviously stayed up, there's a, there's, that could throw a little bit of a spanner in the works because Villa may feel they don't need to sell him now. So 
that could make that deal a little bit if it happens more complicated. Yeah, it, it could do. But um, as I do want to reiterate, we are on a high now. We've got top four in Champions League, but it's been an eye opener for the past like few games or so that squad depth is essential and important. It's not good enough to look at our first eleven and think that's a pretty good team that that can challenge. It's not always about that. It's a, it's a long, long season, and it's a, it's a, it can obviously it can be quite turbulent. You've got injuries, etc. And um, it's important to have players that can come in and kind of narrow the talent disparity between the, the what the starting squad and uh, and the bench. Because quite often I see United might be struggling in the game, or because it's, it's it can be sometimes it can be a system game. We might be playing some of our best eleven. It's not quite working. And you might have to go like have a different approach, and. You're kind of looking at our bench and you're thinking, who can really change the game? Well, James Cooper there, he yeah. mentioned, he said yeah. about, he reckons three players is realistic. Yeah. Do you think that's enough for us to start kicking off three players? I think in? if we get three players, I think it's got to be all areas of the pitch, so defence, midfield and attack. So you think Grealish, Sancho and maybe, I mean, there was talk yeah. of Aki one there, that sort of cooled a little bit, someone like that. Though. Something along them lines. And if you could probably get one luxury player in, some way, obviously, the talk of Coleman which um, James Cooper mentioned. I wouldn't be against it. Um, it's just, now that we're going to the Champions League and we're trying to push on, it's always better to have an embarrassment of riches. Because, you know, oh, like... We, when play, yeah. so we used to have that too yeah. with the Fergie all yeah. the time. We've got an embarrassment of riches, uh, you know, yeah. and now it seems like years since we've actually had... You don't want players getting too that, comfortable because that's, that's when they start squad. to drop their level. If they've got someone just behind them, pushing them, but you can see, make that case with yeah. Luke Shaw. Luke, that, that's what yeah. I was saying. Luke Shaw was Brandon an example. Williams. Brandon Williams. And then Luke Shaw's probably had his best season in a little while because he knows. Definitely because of that. I yeah. definitely think it's yeah, Brandon Williams. Yeah, you think Williams. that's what it yeah. is. And I think other players may have not had the season that we wanted because they, they haven't mm. had that competition. Um, just before we we end this, looking at strengthening other teams strengthening. Another story that was doing the rounds was about Kai Havertz to Chelsea. Romano was mentioning this. Looks like that deal's going to happen. How do you feel about that one? Because he's a player that you, I know you've spoken about in the past. He's a, a real talent, and he's going to someone who <laughs> a team that are on our sort of level as well. Which That's is what I'm great... saying. I think we're in a little we're a hogtie race with, with Chelsea at the moment. I think they're pretty much at the same stage of their like kind of resurgence or rebuild or kind of reattack towards the top two. Obviously, we're, we're a little bit. I think we're the same distance away from. Um, what well, City and Liverpool and obviously we're trying to catch them right now our kind of even rivalry might be Chelsea in terms of where we're trying to get to like we're obviously looking at City and Liverpool as where we want to like surpass but Chelsea are pretty much with us and they could possibly get in the way so it is a team that we've got to look on and think if they're getting better we need to counter that and get better also and um, now that they've signed Timo Werner ZH and look like they're pretty much on the verge, as Romano says, of closing the Kai Havertz deal. They're looking like a dangerous outfit next season and um, that could be a problem and that's not a problem as a United fan that we want. And that's why we need to make sure that we don't rest on our laurels and think, yeah, we've top three, we're back. It's time to push on now, we need to keep going. We need to keep going. Yeah. James Cooper said there could be three players coming in. We know that Chelsea's strengthening. Yeah. Arsenal may be getting Thomas Partey. We'll wait and see whether they can scrape together enough money for him. This has been the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. That's been Ronaldo Brown. You can check him out on Twitter and he's been doing the news as well. You're doing the news tomorrow, I think, I'm outside doing, Old Trafford. I'm doing on, on, Thursday. on Thursday, sorry. On Thursday. on Thursday, he'll be outside Old Trafford. Obviously, we're gonna, I'll have my 
throat well lubricated with water this time. Were you getting comments <laughs> about having a dry out. mouth? Yeah, it was a nightmare last Mate, time. I always get comments. Say. I get comments about my pronunciation. But bear with me, bear with me. I get all that stuff, but we get it. We're, we're learning. Get we're get learning it, get better. <laughs> we're getting better. I've been Jay. This has been Stratford Paddock. Don't forget to hit like, share, and subscribe. We'll have another Tier 1 Transfer podcast next week. Thanks for watching. Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.